Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now, I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Hi, Megan. I'm so excited to talk to you this week about swim lessons because you know how important they are for a happy and healthy summer. Hi, Karen. I know, and as you know, I am knee-deep in planning swimming lessons and camps for my four kids for the summer and trying to move all the chess pieces to make sure that everyone has a fun and safe summer planned. And wow, you you know, we're also faced with the fact that the pandemic is slowly easing and what's, what swim schools are going to be open, what camps are going to be held, what are going to be the COVID restrictions. And I'm sure that you're being faced with all that as well. Yes. So in addition to, of course, the kids having to wear masks to camp this summer, we're also dealing with, you know, much smaller ratios at camps, right? They're accepting fewer children so that they can ensure that there's some measure of social distancing in place um, and really just trying to make sure that all the safety measures are in place, not only from a COVID perspective, but, you know, really from a water safety perspective, as many of the camps my kids are going to this summer do have a swimming component to them. And I think that's so important. I think that parents should make sure when they're looking for a summer camp that they do have swim lessons as part of that camp experience. I think it's an opportunity, especially in our parts of the country where many people don't swim in the wintertime. And so it's it's important to have it during the summertime so that their kids can continue to learn to swim. Really. And it's not even just about learning to swim, but it's about that, you know, stroke development as well. So that if your child does decide that they want to join swim team, they have a good foundation from which to build upon. I know that my now 10 year old is starting to think about potentially joining a swim team and he's a little old from what I'm learning um, to join a swim team. I guess they, I know it's so crazy. I was telling the swim coach, well, one of my board members is Rowdy Gaines and he didn't start swimming until he was 17, you know, competitively. So I know it's possible. You can't tell me 10 is too old. (laughs) I know. Um, Well, I think with all the specialization of sports in general these days that that's happening more and more, even though I wish it wasn't. Yes, I know. I know, but my big challenge for this summer is getting Teddy, my four-year-old, to learn how to swim. So um, we're really excited that the swim school near us that helped us teach our older two, William and Amelia, to swim is opening for the first time in 15 months. And Teddy will be one of their first students this May. And I'm really excited about the opportunity for him to hopefully become, you know, a strong swimmer by the end of the summer. Well, a strong swimmer may be an, a reach, a, a more competent swimmer. <laughs> right, right. Well, he's at the perfect age for learning how to swim. He is at the perfect age. And you know, because we have the four kids that we are dealing with in the water, we really, it's going to be so much easier this summer if he is able to kind of at least doggy paddle to the side of the pool on his own and just have, and he'll feel so much more confident and happy once he has mastered that skill. 
Um, because right now I've got the Charles, our 15 month old hanging on me and then Teddy, my four year old, and then trying to make sure that the older two don't, you know, run around the pool like maniacs. <laughs> it will be, it will be good for this summer if he's able to be a little bit more independent in the water. Yes, absolutely. Because of course, with Charles not being able to swim, you're going to have to get in there and be at arm's length with him, right? Yes. Arm's length with both of them. You know, my, um, my kind of tip that I always give to my friends when they're asking me about safety around water is that if I can't see the whites of their eyes or physically touch them, they are too far away. And I mean that not for my 10 year old, of course, he's going to be swimming in the deep end by himself while I'm watching him. But I mean that for my four year old and of course, for my 15 month old, because until they are competent swimmers, which they won't reach that, you know, it's different for every kid, but I imagine mine won't reach that until age six or so, um, you know, I'm going to be in the water with them and really close by so that I can help them if they get into trouble. Yes, absolutely. And you're not going to be relying on a lifeguard as your first line of defense either, I bet. Right. I know. Um, and that's, that's the other thing that, you know, when I talk with my friends about, um, going to a resort or going to their swim club or their country club, really kind of understanding that that lifeguard is there as a layer of protection, but they are not the layer of protection. You know, you as a parent are your child's first line of defense. And, you know, when I was growing up, I understood that when there was a lifeguard present, he or she was responsible for the safety of the kids in the pool. But now I've learned so much through the work that we've been doing here at the Zach Foundation. You know, parents you really are your child's first line of defense, keeping your eyes on them when they are in the water, um, putting down your phone, putting away your book, not socializing with friends, but really ensuring that your eyes are on your children at all time because that lifeguard is there, as I said, as a layer of protection, but you really do need to be um, primarily responsible for your children while you are around water with them. And that yeah, goes because- for like at the beach too, right? Not just at the pool. Yeah, because when you think about it, it's too many people for a, for a lifeguard to be watching and being, you know, primarily responsible for keeping someone safe. Totally. And there's so many distractions, whether it's for the lifeguard or for us as parents. Um, and, you know, thinking about, you know, it's not that parents are not supervising their children. It's that there's a lapse or a gap in supervision when the parent is helping a child go to the bathroom or change a diaper or answer a phone call. So it's really about understanding that kind of need for vigilance and layers of protection. And you probably will hear us talk a lot about layers of protection if you listen to more than one episode of this podcast. But we, you know, what we mean when we talk about layers of protection is, um, you know, ensuring that you have a four-sided fence around your pool, ensuring that your children get swimming lessons, ensuring that you as a parent get CPR trained, um, and that, you know, you as a parent are serving as a water watcher, um, that you're keeping your eyes on the surface of the water at all times and ensuring that your children really are well protected and well watched when they're around water. Right. And then as we gather more as we can, if we're going to have (coughs) or go to someone's house where there's going to be a swimming party, or even if you're at the beach with families, make sure that a water watcher is designated 
and that water watcher is not doing anything but keeping their eyes on the kids in the water for whatever period of time you designate, whether that's 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And, you know, it's so easy to get distracted, even in conversation when you're there with friends who you haven't seen in a year and a half. I know. I was thinking about that recently, like having to socialize and, you know, what a gift that will be, but I'm going to have a hard time coming up with stuff to talk to my friends about. (laughs) Well, then you could be the designated water watcher. So then you won't have to. We all know I will welcome that responsibility. (laughs) You can say, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed. I'm the water watcher. And my time will be 30 minutes. Exactly. (laughs) Not 10 or 15, but 30. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's funny. I was, I was wondering if you ever had this experience with your kids. I was talking with my sister the other day. Um, Her three-year-old son um, is in swim lessons at a big swim school and he just graduated from the mommy and me swim class and now he's taking swimming lessons on his own and he's screaming and crying and hysterical and she's really struggling with whether or not to go in and, and take him from the swim instructor or if she should just kind of turn her back and let the swim instructor do her job. And she was asking me for advice. And I remember those days with William, my oldest. And I was wondering if you ever had that experience with your kids. Well, I'm sure I did. It's difficult and scary for a parent. And I would say that the advice would be that you have to you have to go with what you feel is the right thing to do. If you feel comfortable enough that the instructor can make a connection with your child and get them to be comfortable, then it's okay if they cry for a little bit. But if it's not a situation that you that you're finding the connection is there, then it's okay to step in and even possibly you might have to switch instructors and that's okay because I, you know, we have a good friend who is an instructor and, you know, she was telling us many times that sometimes, you know, you can't make that connection and it's okay. It's okay if you can't make the connection, then you should move on to someone that you do feel comfortable with or your child feels comfortable with. And every child is different as, you know, just like everyone's personalities are different. That's so true. We found that to be true for our oldest, William. It took a really long time for us to get him to learn how to swim. And mostly it was about building that trust and that connection with the swim instructor, um, someone with an extreme amount of patience. And once we found that right swim instructor, it was easy for him. Um, So, but it did take a couple of, of tries for us to find that swim instructor. And we were at it for some time. (laughs) Yes. And now he's a great swimmer, right? He is. He is. He is. We did go to many different types of swim schools though, for us to find that, that right person. So we were really lucky to find her and excited for Teddy to start swimming lessons with her. It's a, it's going to be a great summer for him. That is. And good for you for persevering because <laughs> it's hard to do that. Well, you can't really run a drowning prevention foundation if you're six-year-old is refusing to take swimming lessons. (laughs) You have to find a way to overcome that that (laughs) obstacle. (laughs) I know. So what are you finding with some of the summer camps that you're looking into? 
So many of them are really doing a good job about communicating their COVID protocols for the summer, which is great. Um, When I first started sending my kids to camp with swimming lessons, I really had some serious conversations with the instructors and with the camp directors around how they were certified, how their lifeguards and water safety instructors were certified around what the ratios of lifeguards and water and safety, water safety instructors were to children. And then, you know, really having a conversation around if the kids are going to be in open water that, you know, the kids really need to be in life jackets. And we were fortunate enough to have those be conversations that made us feel really comfortable. But it is a tip that I give all of my friends as they're enrolling their kids in swimming lessons is really to have that conversation about ratios, about life jackets in open water, and to go with your gut, right? If you feel like you are not getting um, good answers or that you're not comfortable with the responses you're getting, you know, to find a different swim camp for your kids for the summer. Um, it's so important that you have peace of mind when you drop them off at camp every day and having all of those burning questions answered will give you that peace of mind. Right. Agreed. And, you know, similar to just honoring your child and, you know, honoring yourself. If you feel like you're not going to be comfortable with your child swimming there, then you definitely should go look elsewhere. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of it is just about that conversation, about those ratios, about understanding, you know, and knowing that it's okay to push back, right? As a parent, sometimes, especially if you're a parent um, and you're thinking about sending your oldest off to camp, you, it's hard to know when to push back um, with your first. I mean, I'm still wondering with my third, so I'm, I'm no parenting expert, but I have learned over the years that trusting your gut and listening to that instinct has served me well when I've listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So one of the other things is, what are you thinking about doing for Charles? Are you thinking about enrolling him in ISR? Good question. You know, this is something I've thought about with each of my kids, right? I had my first child, William, is when I first met you, Karen, and learned about ISR. And that was back before there were memes and viral videos on social media. So we didn't have these kind of you know, extreme videos of, of kids being thrown into the water during ISR lessons. Um, it was something we were just learning about um, 10, 12 years ago. Um, you know, I, I don't know to answer your question. I don't know if I'm going to enroll him in ISR. I think, you know, I see what it can do for kids in terms of getting them acclimated to the water. Um, I think if I lived in a state like Florida or Texas or California where there was water everywhere and a pool in every backyard that I may be more um, likely to consider enrolling him in, in ISR lessons, but we, we don't have a pool in our backyard. Um, and, you know, I worry about the emotional trauma of those swimming lessons. If that's something that, that kids carry with them, I don't know. Um, We've heard that there are some studies that may be done on ISR and, and you know, the success of, of those swimming lessons throughout life. And I'm really eager to learn more about the results of that study so that we can make some decisions around swimming lessons for our 15-month-old. Right. And one of the things that, of course, was a concern as well is that there are many families that 
it might be too costly for. Yes. Yes. I mean, us included, they're expensive lessons for families to enroll their children in. Um, and they're also expensive to become certified. So there, you know, there are not many ISR instructors near me in suburban Philadelphia. Um, so it is, it would, it would definitely require some maneuvering for us financially if we were to decide to enroll Charles in those lessons. And, um, it, it, I'll be really interested to learn more about those studies and to learn more from our partners over this summer um, around ISR. I know that there are many people in the drowning prevention community that feel uh, are one side of the aisle or the other on ISR lessons. And it's so interesting to hear those conversations unfold. Right. And so I think we're going to need to, you know, get some more information about them. And for now, it definitely can be something that provides an additional layer of protection because, you know, that is what we're all about as we talk about drowning prevention and water safety. Absolutely. And it's about, you know, understanding your risks, right? Like if you're a family with a pool in the backyard or you live um, with a pond near you or a lake near you, or you're going to, you know, you're your parents' house, if the grandparents have a pool in the backyard and, you know, you have to look at all those different opportunities to be around water and make the decision that's best for your family. Yes. Great advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I wonder about for your kids this summer, um, are they going to camps? Are they, are they swimming still? What, what, what do teenagers do in the summer? Well, it varies. There are definitely sports camps that my 16-year-old son is looking into. And so he'll be working on that because that's something that's really important to him and fun. He's not the kind of child who enjoyed going to sleepaway camp, but my younger daughter is. And so this year they're actually going to be having sleepaway camp. And so she's going to be going there. But one of the things that they do really well is they do incorporate swimming and they actually do not have a swimming pool, but they swim in the lake there. Awesome. And so the lake, it it teaches them to swim in cooler water, (laughs) number one. And uh, it also they test them. They test their levels as soon as they get to camp and then they try to progress you. And Sydney actually has gotten to the point now where she's at the highest level. And so she can become a lifeguard if she wants to uh, continue down that path. So I think that's, you know, really great. So they've become strong swimmers because of that. That's incredible. Really cool. Both Both of my younger kids. Yeah. So... They're going to be doing that. Hopefully, also, my 16-year-old is going to be getting a job if he has some time as well to do that. I think that's a really important lesson, a really important life lesson for them. Absolutely. Reflect. Like, what was your first job? My first job was actually working in a local pharmacy after school and in the summertime. I think it started in the summer, but then moved into the... Um, after school. Fun. Yeah. So I worked there for a couple of years. That's great. Mm-hmm. I oh, start- actually, so maybe that that's my first official job job, I guess, before that was babysitting. Yes. Same for me. I babysat a family from the time I was 13 until, I mean, I still feel like I babysit them. 
<laughs> um, just, you know, talking with them on social media and giving them advice or whatever. They're one's living in New York and the other's in Seattle. So they're far, they're grown up now. Um, but my first real job was, um, real job. My first real job was scooping ice cream at Baskin Robbins. <laughs> wow. See, see, these are, these are great ways to begin your career and to, Absolutely. you know, get what it's, understand what it's like to, earn your own money and start saving and figuring how you're going to spend it. It's important. And learning about customer service and how to work with other people. I mean, there's a lot that can be learned during a summer job. Very true. Organizing your schedule, being on time. I mean, you know, you have little control over some of those things when you're in school because you're required to be there at a certain time and you're either taking a bus or your parent is dropping you off. A lot of good life skills. Yes. Well, I'm Very excited important. for Henry. I can't wait to hear what he does. I know. I know. We're still figuring all of that out. That's great. But he is going to have a lot of sports that he's going to need to um, participate in. So yeah. hopefully he'll find some time to work a little bit too. Yeah. I know. I'm trying to figure out how to get my kids to have a little more responsibility around the home. So we're trying, um, and however, I hear that there's a kind of a mix in feedback around whether you should pay your children to do chores around the home versus not. And so I haven't figured out on what side of the aisle I stand on that, but I know that money motivates my oldest. So (laughs) if that's what I need to do to get him to understand what hard work means, then I might need to do that. I know. Yeah. I, um, I have it ingrained from so many different places that you really are supposed to teach your children that, and my kids also are taught this in school that, you know, if you're going to be part of a community at school, but your family at home, that everyone needs to participate in that and that they shouldn't be motivated to earn money as a result of that. But maybe if there's like a bigger project, like, raking the leaves or shoveling snow, that that could be a paid chore. That's a good idea. That William has been bartering with me for Roblox dollars. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a video game. Mm-hmm. And so I've been making him clean my car to earn his Roblox dollars. So he has to vacuum out the car, wipe down all the seats, get all the snack wrappers and now masks out of the car and that has been his big chore. And he actually does a pretty good job. I'm impressed. Oh, that's great. And that's good for you for doing that. Yeah. It's really going to teach him about money and being motivated. It's good. Meanwhile, Millie will just help because she wants to be helpful and she wants, she's a people pleaser, right? So mm. for, she gets her value out of being thanked for her work and, and getting praise for helping the family. So it's so interesting how each child is motivated in such different ways. Yeah. Different personalities. Yep. Absolutely. So, so this summer is going to be a busy one for us. We're going to have Swimming lessons for Teddy, summer camp drop-offs at different locations for the two older kids, and then, you know, exposing Charles to water. And what we will likely do this summer is through Mommy and Me classes. Um, At our local swim club, there are Mommy and Me classes every Friday morning. 
So I'll be able to get in the water with him, swim with him for a half an hour, sing songs, blow bubbles, get him really comfortable and acclimated with the water so that when we do start swimming lessons with him, which we will probably do when he, probably when he turns three, he'll start independent swim lessons, um, which is what we did with Teddy. Um, then hopefully he'll be really comfortable in the water. So that's our game plan. We'll see if it changes. We hope to learn more about this ISR study that's going to be coming out and, and to learn more from all of our partners who are spending a lot of time thinking about this work. Yeah, that actually sounds great. I think one of the things too that we should remind our listeners about is if they are going to put their children in a Coast Guard approved life jacket that we also should make sure that they give their children the opportunity to be in the water without them so that they understand what that feels like, right? Because sometimes there ends up being unplanned swim time and we just want to make sure that children don't get a false sense of security that they can swim from wearing these life jackets. Yeah, it's a good point. It's, um, you know, I was talking earlier about the tips I give my friends when they're asking me about water safety or drowning prevention. And, you know, I talk about the layers of protection and being able to see them and touch them. But but I also talk to them about the, you know, I, we say that it's behavior change, right? But it's as simple as, you know, growing up, my parents, you know, were so, um, forceful about not going near the road without an adult, looking both ways before crossing the street, holding a hand, not touching a hot stove, um, really adding water safety into that, right? So just like you teach your child not to go near the street without an adult, not to go near the water without an adult, not to touch the hot stove, not to touch the water without an adult. And, you know, simply, in, you know, teaching your child those lessons early on um, will have them thinking about drowning prevention from the earliest of ages. Right. And we also want to make sure that they, that they know that if they're in the water and they don't have a life jacket on and they're not strong swimmers, that they understand that the difference of being in the water without it on or with it on so that they won't go in without an adult there and thinking that they know how to swim when they don't. Absolutely. Such an important uh, thing to to kind of ingrain in your children. And, you know, it is hard to find swimming lessons this summer, right? We're hearing from our partners and our providers all around the country. Every city is doing something different. So if you don't have swimming lessons set up for your children for this summer, reach out to your local community center, reach out to your YMCA, your swim school, um, and really try to understand what everyone is doing for swimming lessons this summer. And, you know, someone asked me recently, if I was going to enroll my kids in swimming lessons this summer. And I said, yes, absolutely. Because I am much more afraid of my children getting into an unsafe situation in the water than I am of them getting COVID. Um, we're lucky that my husband and I are now fully vaccinated. Um, and we really feel like drowning prevention is a much more important goal for us right now than, um, you know, exposure to COVID. So that's our decision our family has made. And something that will be difficult for each family to make that decision. But for us, really, it's time to get everybody back on the water and to make sure that they have access to swimming lessons. I also think that swim schools are doing a great job at protecting the their swimmers and their families from COVID. So, you know, while there will be 
less spots for people to take lessons. I, I think it's still safe enough for them to have them. And I think just like you said, every family needs to make their own decision about what they feel comfortable with. But also if you can take these swimming lessons outside in an outdoor pool, if they're being offered, then that also will limit your COVID exposure as well. Absolutely. Well, that's our conversation for today. If you have any suggestions about what you would like to hear us talk about, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm your co-host, Megan Ferraro, and this is Karen Cohn. Thanks for listening to us today. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And this is the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. Thanks for being here with us today. 